Welcome to Frame of Reference, informed, intelligent conversations about the issues and challenges facing everyone in today's world. In-depth interviews with Sauk County's leaders and professionals to help you expand and inform your Frame of Reference. Brought to you by the Max FM Digital Network. Now here's your host, Raul Labresh. Welcome to another edition of Frame of Reference here in Sauk County and beyond. And today we're in Dane County, so I really am being truthful when I say Sauk County and beyond because we're in Dane County, darn it. And uh, that's not Sauk County. So anyone that lives in Sauk County will tell you. <laughs> sure they will. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, right. So my guest today is George Sugros. We, uh, we had a pretty lengthy discussion and uh, actually it was a different discussion than the one we had before, I think, to some <laughs> yeah. extent. Uh, George and I tried to do this back in September on a really nice day. And now here we are in a cold spring of November, trying to pick up and make lightning strike twice in the same place. But uh, George, thanks for being here again. Um, we uh, don't have to do favorite things, although I should do at least one favorite thing, okay. just because we have to be consistent. George, what's your, uh, who's your favorite dwarf in the Seven oh, Dwarfs? Wow. Let's see, let's, let's look up there and see. Oh, it's got to be dopey, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I'm referencing my office, which has all seven dwarves standing above. Nice ones too. These aren't like McDonald's Happy Meal dwarves. No, no, these no. are these are like Hummel quality dwarves. Well, let's not get carried away. They are still plastic. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah. they are part of the menagerie that's in this office. Yeah. And, and when people walk in there, they they say, "Oh, there's there's Buzz Lightyear and there's Woody and there's yep. you know Yoda, we got Wally -E and Knock'em Sock'em Robots. Well, I, yeah, I love that. It. So, Mister Gumby, they're all there for a reason. Because first of all, everybody goes, "Oh, isn't that cute?" <laughs> Isn't, that must be creative. Yeah, yeah it, it's that. <laughs> but the other part of it is it's multiple billions of dollars of economic impact yeah. to the world. You know, we think about the entertainment industry of the United States. It is the the positive export story, right? Everything else, oh, we talk about the imports, oh, the God, the imports, oh, God, the imports. But the cultural um, import uh, exportation of the United States mm -hmm. is much huger than that. And so it's a great example to say to people, take a look at this. We're looking at billions of dollars, yeah. not just cute little figurines. Well, it's interesting. I, like I, I first really kind of clued into just how pervasive that was without me even noticing was when I started watching Netflix and would wait till the end credits and see – all the freaking languages that they, you know, that they're, they're crediting the different voice actors in Polish and German and right. Japanese and Korean. And, you know, so I know enough about the alphabets to recognize even the Eastern languages and a lot, but, you know, Farsi. And you're like, oh my gosh. So this is being exported all over the world. And, you know, it, it's, we don't, I don't think we have any sense of just how how wild that is, right. but we're importing French stuff too. And we're importing Greece, you know, pieces that are going on in India. I was watching a crime series that was, you know, filmed in India and it was all subtitled in English, but you know, very Indian police detectives dealing with many of the same things that, you know, our detectives deal with, but some that were unique to India as yeah, well. So sure. really cool when you think about it. So, um, what does, being essentially an arts educator, but also an arts advocate, what, is, what does that mean to you? What does that look like? And, and what's, what's at stake if we don't 
do what the Wisconsin Arts Board has set out as a mission, as a mission to do, and as a culture, if we don't do it. Well, that's a great question. So, for us, what does it mean to be an advocate? It means to speak multiple languages. Because there is no one arts advocacy piece, but there are many. So somebody wants to talk about arts education, we need to be able to speak that language. Somebody wants to talk about underserved youth, got to speak that language. Um, Communities and and development in rural communities, speak that language, um, and so on. And so... First of all, you have to speak all of those languages. In the when we say them as languages, you have to speak them in a way that those people will understand, right? So if you're going to start to talk about the arts, and the person wants to hear about arts education, but you start talking about rural development, you're not speaking the same language. You've got to talk to those folks in the language they understand. So that's that's the first thing, and. To your question. And it strikes me there's a lot of listening involved in that, which we talked about in the previous episode too, right? That's right. So, I mean, it, so it, it's important to hear what people are asking for or wanting to know about so that you can deliver the message that they need to hear. Um, and so you're absolutely right. Listening is key in that. And then to take it to the next step and say, so what would be, what would be the downside for not doing this work? It's all the things I think that we've talked about in a very positive way so far. You know, kids in school, if the arts are not in school, imagine what a school would look like without the art on the wall, the kids singing, playing their instruments, et cetera. You don't have to go imagine too much because during the pandemic, they couldn't, right? So, so you get a sense of what that would be like. And so what does that do to this, the spirit of the human being? Mm-hmm. So first of all, fundamental. Mm-hmm. And then when we talk about the arts and rural development, a lot of our smaller communities are seeing people leave and going elsewhere. And unfortunately, in some cases, it's the people in the rural communities that are saying, you got to go. There's nothing here for you. Well, one of the things that could be there for them is a rich arts environment. Mm-hmm. Um, the economics piece of this, if we don't talk about the arts as economics, you get patted on the head by economic development people who don't understand, and they can say, isn't that cute what you do? And what they're missing completely is, yeah, maybe you think it's cute, but when you think about the work that goes into it, and this mm-hmm. goes back to what we were saying before mm-hmm. about magic, mm-hmm. magic takes a lot of work. It takes really skilled artisans to craft the the things that are on the stage, to make the artwork that they make, to write the poetry that they, they do, etc. So... So there's that craftsmanship ethic, work ethic, um, and then just the idea that throughout the the economy, there are all these things that are happening that are arts-based, whether it's an art supply store or a gallery or a dance, you know, a dance supply store or, or um, the latest things – are the sip and, and paint things where you can go have wine and paint. Yeah. I mean, there's a yeah. whole lot yeah. of things. But the, but the point is, if we don't talk about these things, if we don't get people to see them, th- this is one of the things I say all the time. You and I come from a generation where our music now is everywhere. Everywhere. Commercials, every everything else. And so at a, at a certain point, you become desensitized to it. Right? It's just mm-hmm. background noise. Mm-hmm. 
part of our job is to bring things forward to the foreground. Um, so you can you can hear that jazz music in the background, but you ought to think about what did it take to do that? Mm -hmm. Who had to record that? Or if they're sitting there in the room, right. what did they have to do to get trained enough to do that work so that you could have that beautiful music in the background? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you and I both know my roommate in college and in graduate school was an applied saxophone major, you know, so I saw up close and personal what it took to become a jazz musician. Um, and it, it's it's a whole lot of work. And, and then as you, you start to think about, imagine being in a place where you're so fluid with your instrument that your ideas are musical ideas, that your language is musical language, that, you know, anyone that's tried to learn a language, just, you know, Spanish or French or whatever, um, can tell you how difficult that is to think in Greek. You know, it's it's a challenge. You have to be very fluent. So to think in painting, to think in light, to think in color, um, that those are skills that uh, it's hard to even get your head around how important that is, right? Um, do you find it strikes me without getting anybody in trouble, but it strikes me that part of what happens is that politicians and the media turn this argument into something that it isn't, which becomes um, a moral stance almost or an ethical stance so that when you have a Maplethorpe that comes along and wants to make a very, I think, a valid statement about what religion in some circles circles are, is doing to us what religious you know ideas have done to us and tries to say what we're doing to it and its ideas by putting a crucifix into a vial of urine and everyone just flips out because how could you do it yeah it was a vulgar thing but think of what he's trying to say with that so politicians grab onto that, media grabs onto that and say, see, this is what your tax dollars are paying for and wipe out all of the really substantive matter in that discussion. So you've seen in 25 years, several different political administrations come through the state. Is there a common thread to why they on one side of the equation tend to think of arts in one row and on the other side of the equation they tend to think of it in another how do we get those two things to meet is is that is that a challenge that you are, are up to or trying to address well i i think um people come at the arts like they come at everything else from their own personal backgrounds so part of it is did you have any arts education along the way and this is why arts education is so important. Because if you hadn't had that experience, why would you understand what it was all about? You know, you can explain it to people, but if they don't have a personal experience, it's not in their heart. It may just sit in their heads. Um, there's, a, there's a whole group of people who say, um, we don't have enough money in our state government. So therefore, we shouldn't be spending money on things like the arts that are frivolous. And they try to make the analogy to their home budget. If we don't have um, enough money at home, we don't go out to eat or we don't go out to a movie. But that's not the right analogy. Ultimately, it's more like the business is you know, involved. So if we're going to invest in our communities, we need to have these things called the arts. Part of it is you want to hire people. 
right? You want to hire people in Nassau County. You want to hire people in the Dane County, whatever the place you are. They need to want to live there. Part of what tells them they're going to want to live there is the natural environment, the beauty of the natural environment. But the other side is the cultural environment. What's there? What's there to do? Um, and so there are a lot of arguments for why the arts are really important. And to the people who might say, you know, this is a frivolous thing, if you talk to them, and this goes back to the multiple language, if you talk about the creative economy, they say, oh, yeah, okay, I get that. I see what you're trying to tell me there. I see you're trying to say, I need creative workers. Mm-hmm. I need more workers. And I need people to want to live in my community. So if you think about all those things, there's an arts and cultural component to all of that. And the light bulb goes on. Now, does that mean they want to necessarily spend state money? Maybe not. But they can get involved in promoting the arts and raising them up and into view. Sure, sure. The the National Endowment is the perfect example of what happens when things go forward because the National Endowment for the Arts has been growing year in and year out from the Obama administration through the Trump administration now to the Biden administration. It keeps inching up. Are they getting a ton of money? They're not getting a ton of money. They're getting more money. They're getting money that 40% of that money comes to the state of Wisconsin, which we have to match, and then the Arts Board distributes. So the the state of Wisconsin has had to keep up as the endowment goes up because a direct match is required. If I give you a dollar, you got to find a dollar to match it with. Can we put things in perspective, too? What is the, of every tax dollar spent, how many pennies are going to the arts? So... Is there a way to quantify that? The the way that they they do that, the National Assembly of State Arts Agencies does a, a per capita funding list. And in Wisconsin, it's 14 cents per person. Okay. So if you take the amount of money we get, which is 1.6 million roughly, and you divide it by the 5, billion, 5 million plus in population, you get to this 14 cents. So every person in Wisconsin is paying 14 cents for arts to be funded in many kinds of capacities. It's dance groups, it's painting projects, it's all over the place, right? To clarify for sure, so people understand what we're talking about, this is specifically through the Wisconsin Arts Board. Okay. We know that individuals, corporations, small businesses are all also contributing, foundations, they're all contributing to the arts on some level. Okay. But what is true about that is that, um, as the gets out of certain businesses, so for example, in health and human services, as the state steps back from what used to be its responsibilities in those areas, foundations and corporations have to step up and into that breach, which means in the finite pie that is all funding, right, the arts sliver of the pie gets smaller while those areas have expanded over time. So... So the point is, right now, at $0.14 per capita, we're dead last in the Arts Midwest region. We don't think of ourselves that way. And Arts Midwest is the nine-state regional organization here supporting the arts. Okay. Wisconsin doesn't think of itself as dead last in that. But now think of this. Minnesota, with the same population, um, has $7 per capita. 
$7 per capita per person for the arts through their state arts agency. So imagine the things that we could do by just going up to $2. We're not to beat them. We're not to, well, it'd be nice to beat the Minnesotans, but you know, that's when we're playing football. So, but right. yeah, $7 versus 14 cents. That, and, and so when you, when you are they number one in the Mid- oh, arts yeah. minutes? Okay, they're, they're definitely they're, they're number one in the Midwest. They're number one in the nation. Okay, what about um, like Illinois? Down low, right? Okay, so interesting. A lot of the other states in our region, Illinois and Michigan, for sure, bounced down but came back up a bit. Okay, right? but Minnesota, what they did is they taxed themselves. They went off and um, they said, "We want to support clean water." conservation and the arts and culture and so they did um, a bill in the legislature which their governor signed that said we're going to tax ourselves us Minnesotans are going to tax ourselves to support these things we care about so that took their budget from I think they were at something like $8,000 million to start so that was a good number to start out with now they're at $43 million. Wisconsin is $1.6 million. Now, it's it's an explanation of a couple things. Where Minnesota is in their thinking about the arts, sure. But also in their thinking about things like taxing, right? If you said to people in Wisconsin, tax yourself to support this thing, they would, they would say, I had you at tax. No way, right? Right, right. It's a different, it's a different mindset, a different way of thinking. Um, now, leadership from the legislature, leadership from the governor's office, those kinds of things could help raise the dollars um, that are available to the arts board, and therefore, to the arts organizations and the artists. Um, you know, the thing is, the money doesn't sit here in Madison with the arts board. It goes out. So, for example, we have a re-granting program where we send to Sauk County, it's matched in Sauk County, and then distributed in Sauk County. Yep. yep. I've participated in those boards, Arts and Humanity Grants, yeah. So, and, which and, is wonderful because we're one of three counties, I think, in the whole state that right. actually do that kind of thing. So. That's right. Milwaukee and Dane being the other two. Yeah. So that's that's Go Sauk. amazing com- company to be in. But the fact that if there were more money – right. Then locally, they would be matched with more money, and right. other kinds of really wonderful things could be going on. So again, we're back to that education component, that experience component, right? Because it's much easier to convince a crowd of people that have had an artistic experience, have been part of an artistic event, have found something that really speaks to them, that if they don't enjoy participating in, they at least enjoy viewing, you know, being part of the audience for it. So it's kind of a both ends against the middle in a way, right? Because here we are trying to advocate for more of this stuff that will meet communities where they're at. And here we are with more communities that need to know and understand what we're doing so that we can bring them more of it. Yeah. And then the third piece is to make sure that your definition of art is broad enough so people can see themselves in it. And that that's part of our challenge too, is to show people that they're already involved in the arts, whether they thought they were or not, right. whether that's the music they play on their car radio 
or the car that they chose because of the design of the car, the clothes they wear, the you know the soup spoon they use, right. you know whatever. the river that they walked along this morning as they were going wherever. Yeah. yeah. So it's all a part of that, and that if they see themselves in that, then they understand that this is not for just some elite people in a large city somewhere, because that nothing could be further from the truth. There are people here in indigenous populations that are bringing forward their traditions, like the Ho-Chunk bringing forward their basket making, or you know the folks in Sauk having the community theater do their thing, or the river gallery, or whatever the case may be. Right. There's stuff already there for people to, to see. And so it's up to the arts board and artists and arts organizations across the state to lift that up and into view for people in a very positive way and say... This is what we do, and we could do more with your support. Right. So, and and I think I envision a society where people are chopping at the bit to support it. You know, I would like to believe that once the light goes on, that you are saying, "Where do I send my check?" You know, because it is, it's, it's. I think of arts as being the hope for our future. At least, you know, one of the one of the main ways that we will convey the hope of the future. Um, you and know, we say, th- we say thank you to all of those who individually do that. Right. You know, writing their check to their local arts organizations that they love, or the small business that prints the programs or posters or whatever they do in kind for those organizations um, or the, the corporations like when we did the Rankin Theater Guild years ago and the, the Coca-Cola bottler decided to give us $250 for the back of our program. It's like we thought we were and died and gone to heaven. We right. had so much money. <laughs> you know, but, but yep. it is true and, that. And it was a lot of money back was. then. It, but it is true that all of those kinds of things contribute to the bottom right. line here. But the bottom line is that the state money not only leverages additional money in the private sector, but it also does things that people care about, which is to help encourage access for all. Because not everybody can buy a ticket. Yeah. But everybody should have the access to what's going on so that they're part of the whole community, that they're getting parts of that creativity and and to inspire them as human beings to do whatever it is they want to do. Folks, my guest today is George Sugros, the Executive Director of the Wisconsin Arts Board. We're going to take another quick break to hear a word from our sponsors here, and I'll be right back and try to wrap this up, try to put some kind of wrap around our discussion about the arts um, here on 99.7 Max FM's digital network and frame of reference. Need it, but don't need to own it? Rent it at McFarland's in Sauk City. Everything to help make your party or project a success. Tables, tents, tablecloths, treat machines, and more. Rug cleaners, floor sanders, tile cutters, and chainsaws. McFarland's is your one-stop project center for home renovators. It's all here under one roof. McFarland's, your complete and replete, I repeat, rental center. One block south of Highway 12 at 780 Carolina Street, where service is a family tradition. And we're back here at Frame of Reference with my special, special guest, George Sugrosi, Executive Director of the Wisconsin Arts Board. We are trying to wrap up a four-part discussion on the arts. Uh, George has been a part of the arts scene in a state and national capacity for well over 25 years and uh, has seen it from so many sides that he probably doesn't even want to think about it. Um, But... 
I am going to hopefully get two more questions out of him, and we'll see how difficult I can stump him on this whole thing. So, but let's look at education, because we've been talking a lot about that. But when we're talking about arts and arts impact on human beings and society and you know, the number of school boards that when they're looking to make budget cuts and make the budget work, which, I, you know, with all due respect, it's tough. It's tough to make a school budget match and work and with, you know, the tax dollars you have and the curriculum things that are being prescribed that you have to cover and the all the testing that needs to go into that. I get it. It's tough. But arts, unfortunately, I think a lot of times are at the f- top of most people's list as to where we can make some cuts, right? So that tends to raise an environment of a lot of hype of, you know, you can't do that because the arts are this and this and this and this. Or you have to do that because if you cut anything else, it'll mean this and this and this and this. So when we're thinking about the arts and their importance to our society, is do you have some ways or advice on how we can separate the facts from the hype? You know, the, the, the emotional, and I have to say, you know, somewhat partisan, part, partly agenda-based, you know, arguments from the reality of what we're really giving up if we let arts be the first cut. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the hardest pieces because you and I both have benefited from great art teachers along the way, whether they were music teachers, theater teachers, whatever. And everybody should have that opportunity. Yeah, if everyone had a Doc Amit in their life or a Wayne Christensen or a David Moulton, we wouldn't be having this discussion. Well, we'd be having a different discussion, yeah, but yeah, no, it's, it, is, it is hard to imagine a life without those key people. And so, you know, the first thing to think about, and you, as you say, take it out as a dispassionate piece. Um, we're not talking about... Um, some people call it um, um, a special. The arts are a special subjects, and or, they are, or, or uh, non-core, non-core. Or some call yeah. it encore. Yeah. In any event, why is it that when we are teaching our kids to read and do math, they watch Sesame Street, which delivers it to them? in artistic, entertaining ways that get them to be further along in their development than if they were just sitting down with a workbook trying to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're able to do that when they're kids, and we say, oh, that's great. And back when we were kids, then came the electric company, and so the, the sort of older kids got a little bit more of that. And we said earlier on in, the, in these episodes, think about a school without the art on the wall. Think about the school without the music being sung or, you know, God forbid, in fact, there might be dance in the school outside of Fayed or theater in the school. These are all things that connect a child to their education. Mm -hmm. There may be there may be kids that go to school and say, I'm ready for any subject. I'm here just to learn and I'm going to absorb it all. But there are also kids who are like, I don't know why I'm here. Why am I doing this? I don't like to read. I don't like to do math. I don't. 
those kids hook in. Maybe they hook into sports, but if they don't hook into sports, they hook into the arts. So it's a it's a school culture thing. It's a a way for kids to engage in their educations. It's a way for them to get to those things that we were talking about before, which is um, creativity, curiosity, critical thinking. I'll give you an example. When my son was going to school, he had an, a, a, a project that he had to do, which was called, they had to make an island because they were learning maps and keys and all, all those things. So he created a, um, an island called Snowboard Island. <laughs> snowboard <laughs> Island. Right? Why not? So the so, Snowboard Island was shaped like a snowboarder and mm-hmm. on a snowboard. Okay. And so he had to div- show where the mountains were and where the water was <laughs> and how to indicate that on the map. Now, he could have just done that by here's a textbook, go learn about keys and maps. But by doing it through this process, the concepts get drilled in. And now you know something more and it sticks with you more deeply mm-hmm. than if you just sort of did a one-dimensional learning piece. Right. Yeah, I think of all, all the times I taught creative drama in the classroom for K-12 through students here at UW-Madison as a TA. And that was all about how can you take this subject matter and dramatize it? And not necessarily, you know, drama that everything has to be a play, but, you know, how do you add those components to it that are arts based to make it more engaging, more, you know, uh, you know, just something that's going to touch a kid and really, you know, light the fire, if you will. So, right. And, and let's think about this for a second. That's not just in the arts either. I mean, if we want kids to get engaged with math, for example, Mm -hmm. enough with the, the rote memorization, et cetera, how do you use math in a real world way at a young age so that you learn that math is actually something we need in our lives, mm-hmm. not just this thing we learn in our schools. Yeah, rhythm. Right. Goodness gracious, you know, time signatures. It's all there, it's waiting all to there. happen. So, so, so I, I think all of that is true. And so, the schools are really important. And if people are saying we don't have enough money for this, what we're saying is then you need to redeploy your money differently, because this is not a special thing that can be off to the side. This is core to what you should be teaching your kids. Mm-hmm. Um, Sir Ken, who we've referenced before in this, said, you know, we have math every day, but why don't we have dance every day? Some right? kids would love that. Some kids would really center in on education right. if they were, did that every day. Well, and, so. and I think we talked about this last time, but let me tell that story one more time. And that in his famous TED Talk, he talks about this young girl who's fidgeting in school and, and the the teachers are just really getting frustrated. She's fidgeting all the time. And so they ask the mother to take this girl to the doctor. And so she takes the, the girl to the doctor and the doctor checks the girl over. And then he says to the mother, can I see you outside in the hall? And on the way out of the, of the room, he turns on the radio and they go out. And they starts to talk with the mother, and he says, there's nothing wrong with your daughter. And they, of course, are looking back into the room, and she's moving with the music. Your daughter's a dancer, <laughs> right? <laughs> and so they ended up enrolling the girl into an academy where all of a sudden she saw more kids like her who were this way. I'm not a weirdo. There's nothing wrong with me. And if it was a different doctor or a different 
teacher that didn't know what they were looking at, they would have given a medication and said, just calm that kid down. Mm -hmm. But no, she was a dancer. And as it turned out, this is the story of the woman who choreographed cats. <laughs> so if they had medicated her at a young age, what would we have lost? Meow. Right. So a lot of things, right? You know, and that makes me think I, I took a, an interview for a drama coach position. And one of the questions on it was, how do you see drama fitting into the curriculum at a high school? And I just went, everywhere. <laughs> so, Drama is what a high school is. So, well, and I thought, you know, I had a, a theater professor, that Esther Jackson, who used to say, theater is the microcosm of the macrocosm, you know, and basically, I, I mean, I had to go look those words up in graduate school, but the reality was that what we see in theater is just a tiny crystallization of what life is. And, you know, when it comes down to it, the best way to understand the macrocosm is to take it into a smaller piece that you can really get a hold of. And once you've got that, then you've got all kinds of ability to extrapolate and associate and, you know, come up with analogy. deal with people. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Because yeah. you're absolutely right. Drama is everywhere. But wouldn't it be great if you understood the components of the drama right. and, and tools for de-escalating? Right. Right. I mean, think of like conflict, right? Without conflict, you've got boredom, you know, so and yet we have to teach conflict management classes, right, in business because, and I'm like, it's not about, you know, doing anything other than learning that conflict is necessary for growth. Right. So, But the, that conflict is something that doesn't have to necessarily animate itself into fists right? Yeah. or other kinds of violence. Okay, last question. This is it. This is the big banana. Okay, here we go. So when you think, because 25 years, right? I mean, as Jean-Luc Picard likes to say in Star Trek, I've begun to realize there are fewer days ahead of me than there are behind me, right? Not a good thing to think about. I, I plan on living well, to be 106. Down, man. Yeah, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going to be 106 because the world needs as much Frenchness as I can convey for as many years as long. They will find that it's genetically necessary. Agreed. So anyways, and a Greek people too. I, I, got, well, I have to admit, as much as I hate to, theater would not be here if it weren't for the Greeks. Oh, God, that was so hard to say. It'll be okay. <laughs> I mean, Oedipus Rex and, and Sophocles and uh, Antigone. It's all Greek. It's all Greek. It's all Greek. To you. Anyways, when when you think about that, what do you, do you ever think about what's the mark that you want to leave on the arts board, on the arts community, on the state of Wisconsin nationally. I mean, you've got a, a pretty big arena that you could think within. But in terms of when you think about that, what do you really hope that people will remember? That will, they will, when they think of you and your contributions to things, what, what do you hope that is the first thing that comes to mind? You know, and you can think of it as a, a legacy, but I think ultimately that's kind of like how we measure how successful we were is did the people that I worked with, did the thing that I worked for, did I, did I make a dent? Did I make a scratch? And is it in the right place? <laughs> Was it the right depth? Did I get, you know, whatever, the part that needed to be dented, dented? You know, it's a great question. And I think I would bring it down to the, the really micro in that respect. Um, 
pride for the the team that we've worked with all these years um the board members who have come and gone um but i think those people that we've directly served those are the people we first think about is do we make a difference for them and you know proud proud when it has happened sad when it hasn't worked quite the way we would have liked um you know there will there will be pieces here first of all the arts board will be 50 years old in 2023 and nurturing it from my time from 96 to that time hopefully knock on wood mm-hmm. um just to see the organization have evolved and prospered in in the things that it has been able to do mm-hmm. in a very opportunistic sense and then there's there's sort of the big ticket things where you look at things like the sesquicentennial where we were able to stage a folklife festival at the Smithsonian and back here in Wisconsin and having a role in that, the creation of the Wisconsin Science Festival, which I'm a co-founder of, because the Arts Board understood explaining science through the arts and the arts through the sciences. You know, so it, it's the people that we've served, the kind of larger things that are out there, um, and just the fact that the arts board will continue on, and and that will be the ultimate test, is to evolve this to the point that the next um, leadership can take it where they think it can go at that point. So, if we're in a gallery and we show, I've forgotten the name. Who was when you were deputy director? Who was the Dean Amhouse? Dean. Dean. Okay. So we have Dean's picture, we have George's picture, and we have the next person's picture on the wall. Yeah. And somebody comes walking through and maybe remember a little bit about Dean, but then they stop at your picture and they say, oh yeah, George Sucrose. Did you know, what are the things that you think you'd want them to fill that question in with of, did you know? And I remember, and he was, how do you complete, how would you want those sentences completed? Well, I think the ultimate answer is he was passionate for the arts and an advocate for artists everywhere in the state. And that the programs and services that we tried to put forward were were important to their work and to their lives during really interesting times. <laughs> really interesting times. <laughs> because when you think about it, from 96 to today, we're talking about um, a, a great recession, mm-hmm. a pandemic. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the mm-hmm. kinds of things that we have seen this agency through, um, thanks to the National Endowment for the Arts, thanks to the, the governor and the legislature, because ultimately, whatever money we have is because those entities are still providing it to us and acknowledging our good work. So perhaps we can still be part of the diffusing the polarization because we have to also point out that since 96 to now there have been an awful lot of changes from republican to democrat administrations and democrat and republican seats in the house and the senate um it it is does seem to be something that all of us can agree to support now if we can just get the country to be Minnesota level supporters. So that would be, you know, yeah, I mean, you know, let those Vikings beat us. Come on, pack pack. Uh, so, anyway. But you know, you're right. Ultimately we are a nonpartisan issue. The yeah. arts have no partisanship. They, they, they just don't. You yeah. know? They can't. 
We're representing them all. Right. So, That's right. All across the spectrum. And that everybody gets a chance to express themselves because in the end, that's what it's all about. It's yeah. the human being expressing themselves through expressive cultures like music and theater or um, material cultures like art and fiber art and all of those kinds of things. Right. So we're going to, and, and we did mention this the last time, but the greatest symbol of this came out of Winston-Salem, um, and it was a picture of a crayon. But the bottom of the crayon was a bullet casing, and the top was the piece of the crayon, right? And the tagline was, children will express themselves one way or the other. What we create, we don't destroy. And so that's, if anything else, if, and if your listeners take nothing else away, it's that creativity that we need because of the things that we care about in our society. We don't want them destroyed. We need to have everybody part of the create, creativity and the creation of those things. Right. When you think about any any real tragedy that has occurred, and you can usually trace back the perpetra perpetrator to not having felt like they had a place at the table in some meaningful way. And if there's one thing I've always loved about the arts is we were, we were doing all of it way before anybody else. And there was always a place at the table for anyone that wanted to, you know, sit down and join the meal. Um, you know, I, I, the, the, the worst thing you can do is say to somebody, Oh, no, I'm, I'm sorry. This table isn't for you. I, I just don't see that happening in the arts. And if it does, it's not an arts group. It's a political agenda group. So, yeah. okay. George, can't thank you enough. It's always meaningful. It, the best thing about this podcast has been it gave me a really good excuse to have a long conversation with you. Which we, we get to have lunch, but we don't usually get to do something like this. So, uh, folks, my guest has been George Sugros, the uh, executive director of the Wisconsin Arts Board. If you want to know more about the Wisconsin Arts Board, where do you go? What do you do? You go to the website, which is art artsboard.wisconsin.gov artsboard.wisconsin.gov that's a mouthful yeah. type that into your favorites at least so you don't have to keep typing that up all the time right. right and, and you, you can, can find us also on Facebook and Twitter okay well. and there's information about how to submit for grants there's information oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You, you name it it's there and okay. list out our great staff and the, our board members so oh. you can learn more about us okay so do you have like the Greek tunic and dance costume on in your picture no because I think you should no 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 I think you should so this is the Wisconsin Arts Board <laughs> Not the uh, <laughs> Greek national art sport. But Greeks are at the base of it all. Come on. We already agreed that. So, George, thanks so much. We're going to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. We'll come back with wrapping thoughts here on 99.7 Max FM and frame of reference, which I hope we have changed something of your frame of reference, at least where arts are concerned with this episode. Be right back. There's never been a better time to support small businesses and save big with Max FM Big Deals. Discount certificates from the Max FM Big Deal store will save you up to 50% off retail every day of the week. Local restaurants and wineries, healthy living and spa services, gifts for the holidays, and a whole lot more. New deals are added weekly. Check it out now at MaxFMBigDeals.com. That's MaxFMBigDeals.com. Start shopping and start saving. Well, that about wraps up this conversation with George Sugros. I say this conversation because I sincerely hope that it's just the beginning, or in our case, the continuance of a journey that takes us to a better understanding 
of the nature and importance of art. George's life has been directly involved in the goal of bringing art everywhere that is possible. He is quite literally like the Wizard of Oz, working behind the curtains to make magical and mystical things happen before our eyes. That's what artists do. That's why George's life mission has been all about helping communities all across our state, across the nation, and even in Japan to change their frame of reference by getting their windows cleaned. Part of the reason that George and countless others do this cleaning is because they know that it makes it easier to see the world around us more clearly. It gives a clarity to objects that we take for granted, displays situations that need to be fixed, shows us gardens that are just beautiful to admire. As I noted last week, art can be something that unites or offends, inspires or despairs, lifts us up or pops our bubbles so we can't sleep anymore. It's unlike any other human endeavor. The great bard once wrote, all the world's a stage and all the men and women merely players. So perhaps art helps us by giving us signposts to use for directing our plays. Don't forget, if you have a moment, please visit our website at www.forsalk.com and let us know what you think of the podcast and make any suggestions you might have for future artists or guests or issues. Stay well.